When facing any crisis, from Hurricane Katrina to a family emergency to the profound choices we have to make in life, I found that a good plan is to first recognize the problem, then stabilize the situation, organize the response, then respond. This is an excerpt from Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, and I've made the executive decision to wrap up part six, seven, and eight today. That was uh, the first opening paragraph from part seven on page 249. Um, I'm going to continue on to page 250 because I like uh, what he said after this. It, it's a sticky note, uh, kind of more like a poem. Selfish. When I'm rich enough to know uh, I'm sorry, selfish. When I'm rich enough to not care about the money. When a child's life is more important than my own. When my self-worth isn't reliant on the adulteration of others. When I don't care anymore to outscore my desires. I look near and within and get selfish. This is the measure of a man's greatness. When a man becomes classic. When mortal rewards are no longer enough to pay his rent, may uh, man becomes legend. Fish for yourself. So, he said, and then it's self-ish. Um, so I'm going to jump back. I'm going to go to part six. Uh, it's called, The Arrow Doesn't Seek the Target, The Target Draws the Arrow. And I'm only going to, I'm going to jump around, uh, just go to some highlighted parts so you can know a little bit more about Matthew McConaughey's life. Um, we are on page uh, 234. On the fourth afternoon after making love, we were sitting on the porch of our tree hut, watching the sunset over the Solomon Sea, having our first cocktail before joining the locals at the watering hole a few hundred yards down the beach. I was falling in love. What would I have to do to lose you, I asked. As I said these words, I turned to look at her out of the corner of my eyes, the drink in her right hand already halfway to her mouth, as she was moving to take a sip of it. How graceful her hand moved, never hitching, never hesitating, just fluently gliding as it would have if a question like that had never been asked. <clears throat> the drink reached her lips, and she took a nice easy sip, her eyes staying with the sunset. Then she turned to relax, satisfied swallow, and slowly lowered the glass back down as it, as its wet ring resting place on the wooden arm of her chair. Oh, that's easy, she said as she turned her head to me. My heart raced. Her, her eyes found mine and settled. Change, she said. Uh, so they went from Australia and then Camellia moved to New York. Um... Camila, that's her name, sorry, Camila, um, so they jumped to 234. Around 10 p.m., we called my mom to share the news. It was midnight Texas time. Mom, me and Camila here, we have some great news we want to share with you. You're on speakerphone. Oh, great, I love good news. Hi, Camila. Hi, Mrs. McConaughey. Mom, yeah. Camila and I made a baby. She's pregnant. Silence, more silence. Mom, you there? No. No, 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 Matthew. This is out of order. No, 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 Matthew. I raised you to get married before you had a baby with anyone. No, this is all wrong. Oh, no, Matthew. This is not good news. Camille and I looked at each other, our mouths agape. I reached down 
toward the phone, tempted to take it off speaker and spare Camila the drubbing. Then I thought, no, best she gets to know every bit of my mom. Oh, geez, mom, I thought you'd be so happy. Me and Camila are overjoyed. Well, I'm not. This is all wrong, Matthew. This is not how I raised you. And I'm sorry, Camila, this is not how I raised my son. I am not happy in the least, she said. Then she hung up. Camila and I absorbed the blow. Our tears of joy dried up with shock. Oh, shit, Camila said. No shit, I replied. We leaned back on the couch, catching our breath. Camila poured me another drink. I didn't take a sip. I took a swig. A few minutes later, my phone rang. It was my mom. What were we in for now, I answered. Mom? Yeah, am I on speakerphone? Camila, can you hear me? Yes, Miss Mc Yes, Mrs. McConaug. Hey, I'm here. What's up, Mom? Well... I like to put some white out over that last conversation. I realized I was being selfish. I don't have to agree with the order of events, but it's not my right to judge them. As long as you're happy, then I'm happy for you, okay? I stared at the phone and shook my head. White out it is, Mrs. McConaughey, Camilla said, stifling her laughter. Great, because everybody deserves a do-over. Love you. Bye. And with that, she hung up. I thought that was funny that even uh, Matthew McConaughey gets scolded by his mom. But, um, so that's their first kid. Uh, this is on page 238. I told my lawyer that I wanted to take care of my family and foundation and be an actor for hire. Simplify, focus, conserve, to liberate. All right, all right, all right. Um... On July 7, 2008, after three days of labor and an emergency C-section, Camila gave birth to a 7-pound, 8-ounce baby boy. We didn't know the gender beforehand, which is one of the best surprises you can ever give yourself. We were set for a name if it was a baby girl, but we had a pretty long and interesting list if it was a boy. Matthew, Man, Me uh, Melody, Igloo, Mr., Citizen, Levi, you know, the usuals. Camila preferred Matthew. Me, I was concerned about the junior aspect and the same name as the famous dad snare. But right now, we weren't thinking about names. We were too busy smiling, laughing, crying, and loving. About an hour and a half after the birth, a nurse came in and handed me a formal document to fill it out. It read, on July 7th, 2008, at 6.22 p.m., blank was born. My favorite Bible verse, if thine eye be single, Thy whole body will be full of light. A Mandalore. Oh, by the way, so that's a verse from Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 22. The Mandalore, the Pandora box inside of the contradiction, the union instead of friction, the place where all colors live, the white light. The third eye. A verse that has given me spiritual guidance for decades. 622 was even carved into Camila's and my bedroom door by the two Diagon tribes when I commissioned in Mali back in 2000. The Apostle Matthew was also known as Levi in other parts of the world. Same man, different name. From Leviticus, the third book in the Bible of law and ritual. Levitical, Leviticated, Levi, Matthew 6.22. So on July 7th, 2008, at 6.22 p.m., uh, 6.22 p.m., Levi Elvis McConaughey was born. Uh, his middle name is Elvis because that's Camila's maiden name. I think that's a cool story. What a great way to name your kid. So just remember, uh, 
You have three eyes, in the words of uh, Absol. Um, <clears throat> so on page 242, uh, you want to move back to Texas, don't you? She unexpectedly asked. I'd been thinking about it. Maybe it was the manners, the value people put on common sense, the fact that when you're playing baseball in the front yard and a car stops to have a look, it's a well-wishing neighbor instead of paparazzi. Maybe it was the optimism and the fact that nobody cares that there's a crisis even when there is one. Maybe it was that my mom was down in her late 70s and by football math, that was at least the fourth quarter and seeing her more than twice a year seemed a prudent proposition. Camille and I had just started a family. And I wanted our children to have all the above. I turned to meet her gaze. Yep. She took a deep breath, nodded her head left to right with a shrewd grin, you son of a bitch. Then she gave a glance at baby Levi in the car seat behind us. Let's do it. The light turned green. I hit the gas. Um, nine acres and a spring-fed well... A deep, uh, a deed for a plot of land at the water's edge of a boat house that was a seller forgot to list as a feature. Uh, more than enough room to have some dogs raise a family and bang on my congas in my birthday suit without disturbing a neighbor. Just as the early death of my father made me level up and become a man, the family emergency with fatherhood helped me more deeply reconsider my life and who I was in it. Uh, death, family, crisis, and newborns, the end of life, trying to keep a life and welcoming a new one. These are three things that will shake you, uh, shake your floor, give you clarity, remind you of mortality, and hence give you courage to live harder, stronger, and truer. Three things that make you ask yourself what matters. Three things that make you realize it all does. On page 244, uh, it says, in fact, in the fact of fate that death and birth bring, we recognize we are both human and God. We find the belief that our choices matter, that it's not all for nothing. It's all for everything. I think these last three chapters really talked to me, really spoke to me. This is when he becomes more clear and concise in what he wants to do. Um, he is now, he's with the love of his life. He is not married yet. He does get married um, eventually to his uh his wife, but that is how we pretty much, that's how we end, uh, part six. I already read a little bit of part seven. Um, I'll read it again just so that you can hear it one more time, but this is on page 249. When facing any crisis from Hurricane Katrina to a family emergency to the profound choices we have to make in life, I found that a good plan is to first recognize the problem, then stabilize the situation Organize the response, then respond. So he decides he's not going to do rom-coms anymore. And um, that leads us into uh, page 250 when I read uh, Selfish, um, his little poem. We're going to jump to page 253. If anyone ever shows up on their high horse or is walking on their toes, as my mom calls it, the rest of the family will rip them back down to earth until they cry for mercy. Then we lift them back up off the ground and serve them a drink. There are always a few tears shed, but 100% forgiveness by the time we leave. Because as my brother Rooster says, if everything we did was right, we'd never know what was wrong. I, I like that saying. Um, 
like I said, I always skip a lot of this and there's really good stories about his family, his mom, his dad. Um, some of this is like kind of insane, but some of, most of it is just really good stories of him traveling in his life. Um, you know, page 255, I believe trying to maintain a honeymoon glow in a relationship is a fool's errand fantasy. Worse yet, it's unfair to the two lovers trying to maintain it. It's a 120-watt bulb that burns too hot to last. No one can live up to the pedestal we put them on if we put them on one. As well, when we only see our lover as a superhuman, our reflection in their eyes makes us one of them in theirs. Then we're both for rent because we're both unobtainable. The honeymoon, like Hollywood, is an animated movie. It's larger than life, not a reality we should expect to see once we exit the theater. Where we live, where our humanity lives, where our secrets, scars, fears, hopes, and failures reside. This is what comes after the credits roll. Where real love cares, hurts, understands, falls down, and gets back up. When it's not easy, but we get to honestly try. The 20-watt bulb isn't enough light to show the way if I expect you to be Wonder Woman. And you to see me as Mr. Incredible. The 100-watt bulb... The 100-watt honeymoon bob is superhuman by design. It's the beginning of the first time, the birth. That's why it's called a honeymoon, not a marriage. It's not obtainable or sustainable until you have a daughter. On uh, the 3rd of January, 2010, Vita Elvis McConaughey was born. The only honeymoon that ever lasts. Green light. Um... <clears throat> I think that's really cute uh, that that he said that about his daughter and just, you know, the love that he has for his family. Um, on page 256, uh, it's one of those really, this book is written really cool. I've heard the journal's really cool. I talked about it last time. I think uh, next year I'll probably try to buy it. I already have too many journals this year. Um, I'm using the Daily Stoic Journal. I started it last year, like in October, and I, I dated when I did that. And then, um, uh, I'm probably going to start, I'll get his journal for 2025. But anyway, define success for yourself. I went to a voodoo shop South of new Orleans the other day. It had the vittles of magic potions stacked in columns with labels defining what they would give you fertility, health, family, legal help, energy, forgiveness, money. Guess which column was sold out money. Yep. Money is king currency today. Money is success. The more we have, the more successful we are, right? Even our cultural values have been financialized. Humanity is not in vogue anymore. It's too passive. We get rich quick on the internet scam, and we get to be an expert at nothing but everything if we say we are. Get famous for sex, our sex tape and attain wealth, fame, rank, and power, even respect without having a shred of competency for anything of value. It happens every day. We all want to succeed. The question we need to ask ourselves is, what is success to us? More money? Okay. A wealthy family? A healthy family? A happy marriage? Helping others? To be famous? Spiritually sound? To express ourselves? To create art? To leave the world a better place than we found it? What is success to me? Continue to ask yourself that question. How are you prepared? What is your relevance? Your answer may change over time. That's fine. But do yourself this favor. 
Whatever your answer is, don't choose anything that will jeopardize your soul. Prioritize who you are, who you want to be, and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. Don't depend on drinking the Kool-Aid. It's popular, tastes sweet today, but it will give you cavities tomorrow. Life is not a popularity contest. Be brave. Take the hill. But first, answer this question. What is my hill? Um, I should have said, actually, too, I think the uh, part seven is called Be Brave, Take the Hill. So I'm going to wrap up. Uh, I'm going to wrap up part seven with a sticky note from 260. Time and truth. Two constants you can rely on. One shows up for the first time every time while the other never leaves. Also, he talks about being in uh, <laughs> Magic Mike in, at the end of part seven. Um, he talks about being in Buyers Club, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, which is a great movie. I actually was astounded at how much weight he lost and just the craziness of that character. If you don't know, um, he is a guy that has HIV and he's not gay. Uh, but at that time, obviously, it was intense and just he does a, an amazing job. Part eight. Uh, live your legacy now. On the top of uh, 274, um, this starts on page 273. Ah, another one of those questions. I was on the stand. Apparently, my three-year-old son inherited my debating skills and cross-examination capabilities. I thought again, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit. Afraid of what? Of, lo of losing myself, I said. His three-year-old son basically asked him, why isn't his mama McConaughey? And um, that was his response, and he realized, okay. So they set a date, and they were married in May of... Um, or they, he proposed in May of 2012, uh, 20, uh, yeah, 2012. Um, his next, um, child was born in December of 2012. Um, and he received an, uh, another role to be, um, part of a lead role called True Detective on HBO. Um, there's a sticky note on 277 that I like. The closer I get to divinity, the more I wonder if I'm a fraud. I'm pretty sure it's because I still need to learn how to win. Um, 278. My family and I soon packed up and moved back to New Orleans for a six-month shoot. I've always had a soft soft spot for the Crescent City. Maybe because my dad raised was raised there. My family visited his mom and his sisters for the blessing of the Fleet Shrimp Festival every year growing up. Maybe I'd also film four of my last five movies there. Maybe because if you want to know if you're good, a good part of town or the bad, the locals, rhythmic rationale will tell you. Well, sir, there's a little bad in the good parts and a little good in the bad parts. It's always felt like home. Places are like people. They each have a particular identity. 
In all my travels around the globe, I've written in my journal about the culture of a place, its identity. It's a place and people that move me. I'll write them a love letter. New Orleans is one of those places. If you know me, you know I could, that when I read that, I think I might have even teared up a little bit because I always try to explain to people why I love the city of New Orleans and what it means to me. Um, he actually writes a love letter to New Orleans. Um, <clears throat> and I've skipped a lot of things, but I think I'm, I'm going to read it for you guys. Um, Dear New Orleans, what a big, beautiful mess you are. A giant flashing yellow light proceeded with caution, but proceeded. Not overly ambitious, you have a strong identity, and don't look outside yourself for intrigue, evolution, or monikers of progress. Proud of who you are, you know your flavor, it's your very own, and if people want to come taste it, you welcome them without uh, solicitation. Your house... Your hours trickle by, Tuesdays and Saturdays more similar than anywhere else. Your seasons slide into one another. You're the big easy, home of the shortest hangover on the planet, where a libation greets you on a Monday morning with the same smile as it did on Saturday night. Home of the front porch, not the back. This engineering feat provides so much of your sense of community and fellowship as you relax facing the street and your neighborhoods, your neighbors across it. Rather than retreating into the seclusion of the backyard, you engage with the goings-on of the world around you on your front porch. Private properties, hospitality, trespass on each other, and lend across borders where a 9 a.m. alarm clock is church bells, sirens, and the slow-moving eight-buck-an-hour carpenters nailing a window pane two doors down. You don't sweat details or misdemeanors, and since everybody's getting away with something anyway, the rest just want to be on the winning side. And if you can swing the swindle, good for you, because you love to gamble, and rules are made to be broken, so don't preach about them. Abide them. Peddling worship, litigation, where else do the dead rest eye to eye with the living? You're a right brain city. Don't show up wearing your morals on your sleeve, lest you want to get your arm burned. The humidity suppresses most reasons, so if you're crossing on a one-way street, it's best to look both ways. Mother Nature rules. The Natural Laws, capital Q, Queen reigns supreme, a science to the animals, an overbearing and inconsiderate bitch to us bipedals. But you forgive her, and quickly, because you know. Any disdain with her wrath will reap more bad luck, voodoo, karma. So you roll with it, meander rather slowly forward, taking it all in stride, never sweating the detail. Your art is in your overgrowth. Mother Nature wears the crown around here. Her royalty rules, and unlike in England, she has both influence and power. You don't use the vacuum cleaners, no. You use brooms and rakes to manicure. Where it falls is where it lays. The swerve around the pothole, the duck beneath the branch, the poverty and the murder rate, all of it, just how it is and how it turned out, like a gumbo, your melodies in the mix. June 7th, 2013, New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you, Mr. McConaughey, for a beautiful letter. Um, there is just so much that I didn't read because I don't want to get in trouble, but I will say this. Um, green lights is reads like a well read diary 
and there's just so much goodness. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to finish it with some notes that he has here on page 287. It's hard to find constants, natural laws, universal truths in life. But when we have kids, there is no intellectual discussion or philosophy as to how or how much love protect and guide them. It's an instinctual commitment and immediate, infinite, and ever-growing responsibility, a privilege, a green light. When I was putting the finishing touches on this book earlier this year, my life, like yours, was, was intercepted by a red-light drama called COVID-19. Its disruption in our lives became inevitable. We had to stay home, social distance, wear a mask for protection. We couldn't go to work. We lost jobs and loved ones. We never truly knew when it would end. We were scared. We were angry. Each of us had to make sacrifices, pivot, persist, and deal. We had to get relative. The tumultuous start to 2020 continued when another red light drama introduced itself in the name of George Floyd. George Floyd's murder. It's dis uh, <clears throat> disruption in our lives soon became inevitable as well. There were protests, looting, riots, fear, and outrage. The unjust murder sparked a social justice revolution in America and around the world. And as racism reared its ugly head into the spotlight once again, we were reminded that all lives couldn't matter until black lives matter more. Each of us had to make sacrifices, pivot, persist, and deal. We had to get relative. Uh, this is his last paragraph on page 289. But when I read that, I was like, I knew I liked Matthew. That's the most important life. And that's the problem with America is they don't understand this. We were reminded that all lives couldn't matter until black lives matter more. <clears throat> and we will end it with this. As I've navigated the weather in my own life, getting relative with the inevitable that has been key to my success, relativity, we're living. Life is your resume. It is our story to tell, and the choices we make write the chapters. Can we live in a way where we look forward to looking back? Inevitability, we're going to die. Our eulogy, our story will be told by others and forever introduced us when we are gone. The sole objective, begin with the end in mind. What is your story? This is mine so far. Green lights. Here's to catching more of them. Just keep living. Matthew McConaughey. I hope you guys enjoyed the book. I'm sorry it took me so long. Sickness, um, unfortunately, made it pretty hard to record for a while there. I'm excited to figure out what book I'm going to read next. I'm not sure yet. I uh, got a bunch of really good books for Christmas. I have a bunch of really good books that I've purchased over the past year and a half. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the next book. Um, I hope you like Matthew McConaughey as much as I do. This book really was wonderful. I, I don't think I did it justice. Um, I wish I would have taken more notes and been better at chronologically putting his life into this podcast. It's just hard to do sometimes when you're looking 
when you're reading a book and then you realize, oh, I want to, I want this to be in the podcast. That, that happens to me sometimes. So thank you for bearing with me. As always, like, subscribe, leave me comments. If you know me personally, please, any criticism, good or bad, I take it all. Um, my friends, I appreciate all your support, your love, your kindness. I hope you're enjoying the playlist. Next week's playlist is going to be a little bit longer because Dom has sent me five songs that make him happy too. So I hope you like it. Um, just remember, live a life worth living because... Um, Life is not short. Life is unpredictable. And I live by this saying, even though I will say this, the things that I've learned the most from were definitely my mistakes. And it's, it's um, a humbling experience. Every time you make a mistake to go, well, what did I learn from this? But that self-reflection and that self-awareness is the only way that we can be better people and make a better world. Because do not let anyone fool you. The world we live in today is better than it was yesterday. And that is because of people like you and me that are trying to make a difference in our personal lives. Self-improvement is a way to improve the world. If you're not the best version of yourself, how can the world be? Anyway, I step off my soapbox. Go cop Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I'll let you guys know what the next book is soon. Um, this is Emily Wilkins, your host of the Evaluation, the New Age Book Club. Y'all have a wonderful day. Peace.